Welcome to you, Neil Money. I'm Brian Hurst this evening. We're focusing on the investment world. For the last few months, global markets have been very volatile because of the US Federal Reserve reporting about the high inflation and the pending interest rate hikes. However, over the last few weeks, the news is all about, about whether Russia would invade Ukraine. As negative comments about the possibility of war and positive comments about diplomacy affects the market daily. And joining me this evening in the Zoom room is Henry Biddlecombe, Investment Analyst at Anchor Capital. Henry, good evening. It's lovely to have you on the show. Hi, Brian. Henry, first, I want your views on what will happen to the equity markets if there is war or have the markets already priced this in that Russia will invade Ukraine? Yeah, Brian. So, you know, geopolitical tension is never good for risk assets. Um, and I think to the extent that there's an incremental escalation from here, that'll obviously be incrementally negative for equity markets. At this stage, I don't think anyone's pricing in an out, a, an out and out war. Um, and if we were to, to get to that sort of scenario, even though I think it's, it's relatively unlikely, um, that would be very negative for equity markets. Now, Henry, if the invasion occurs, will this have any influence on when the US Federal Reserve will delay interest rates? Because with interest rates rising, doesn't it risk throwing the economy into recession? And with prices likely to cool off, is it not better to have slightly higher levels of inflation to actually keep the economy growing? Look, so you've got to remember that their primary mandate is to is to stabilize um, prices with unemployment. So it's not necessarily to stabilize financial markets. Um, so it could certainly inform the action that they take. It could certainly have an influence over the timing of um, their actions, but I don't think at all it will influence the trajectory of interest rates from here. So do you see it happening in March? Do you see interest rates rising? Yeah, so I, I think so. I think our view is, is in line with the consensus view. Um, and, you know, looking at what inflation is doing currently, I think it's, it's probably necessary. But Henry, just think about, I mean, the Americans spent trillions of dollars over the last few years propping up their economy, making sure the economy wouldn't collapse. And I think very successfully. Um, surely they, they, they're not going to risk, I mean, they're only pushing up interest rates because the, they think the markets can handle those interest rates, that the economy can handle those interest rates without pushing it or even, even thinking about recession. Yeah, well, look, Brian, this is, this is the million-dollar question. It's always a tricky balancing act. And, of course, um, you, can never, you can never proceed with 100% certainty. But I think um, at the moment there's no doubt that although an element of um, the inflation we're seeing is transitory in nature, um, you know, you are dealing with a structurally higher level of inflation now. And it has a lot to do with the stimulus, both fiscal and monetary, that was, uh, that was injected into the, the, not just the U.S. economy, but the global economy. Um, but also, you, you know, you've got the, econ the economy is coming back to life in a meaningful way. Um, so um, price stability um, is, is at risk and, and uh, you know, that, that warrants intervention. Well, Henry, while this is obviously very negative for the world, will this benefit South Africa in terms of the demand for our commodities and ultimately the, the, the impact on the RAND? Look, it'll, have, it'll certainly have an impact on the RAND uh, in the sense that the carry trade will become less attractive. Um, so, you know, to be marginally weaker for our currency um, and our Reserve Bank will almost certainly be forced to follow the Fed. Um, on the commodity side of things, I think the primary influence there is um, the level of demand we're seeing coming out of China. Um, and we have benefited from somewhat of a commodity super cycle 
over the last sort of two years. Um, so, you know, the demand coming out of China is really the overriding influence there rather than global interest rates. So let's just talk about oil for a moment because, I mean, what affects South Africa is a rise in the oil price and, and obviously the weakness in the rand, which has a major impact on the petrol price. So we've seen oil touching 95. We talk, they talk about oil maybe going over 100, slightly, slightly um, down in the last day or two. But where do you think oil is headed and, and what does this mean for investors? Yeah, so currently we're dealing with a structural mismatch between supply and demand. Um, there's more demand than there is supply. Uh, and that's for two kind of reasons. So one, I think there's been a lack of investment in production capacity due to subdued oil prices over the last few years. Um, but also on the back of um, heightened sort of ESG concerns um, and policy restrictiveness. Um, you know, governments are tightening the screws on the fossil fuel industry. It's more difficult to get the approval for new rigs um, and new drilling locations. Uh, and and th you've got that acting on the, on the supply side. And then on the demand side, you've had a very powerful reopening of the global economy. So you've got a heightened level of demand. And that's really what's been putting upward pressure on the oil price. Um, and if we look at those dynamics, we can see oil potentially going up to 120 odd dollars, at which point, um, you know, the Canadian oil industry will turn on and introduce a lot of supply into the market. So, we, we, you know, an oil price of 120 dollars is quite plausible, actually. Henry, that the last time we were there was about what four or five years ago, and the oil came all the way back to 35, somewhere around there. You actually think it can go to 120? It's it's plausible. Um, Henry, last week in our President Sonner report, he mentioned that it's business responsibility that should create jobs. Do we have an environment in South Africa that business can create jobs? Certainly with the advancement of technology and companies learning that during COVID they can cope with less people. I mean. We talk about business, but big business isn't going to employ people. The, I mean, if you look at our labor laws, the difficulty of bringing the wrong person into the business, if you think how everything's changed so much in terms of technology, more, we're able to do more uh, from our own desk. You don't even have to leave you, your home to do that. Uh, I mean, what was his thinking when he made that comment? Yeah, I'm not quite sure, Brian. And the honest truth is that the South African economy hasn't hasn't been conducive for growth or for new businesses for some time now, and that centres around confidence. And for confidence to return, for you know, for foreign direct and foreign portfolio investment flows to turn positive, um, you need a number of things to happen. I mean, for one, you want to see a, a, a vastly improved management of the fiscus, um, and predominantly on the expenditure side, government also needs to invest. In, in infrastructure, um, you need to see policy stability, and you need to see um, social stability, frankly. I don't think the riots last year helped business confidence at all. Um, so I think we're dealing with a number of issues, and I think um, technological advancement um, is hardly the most pressing one. Well, I think it's also very important what happens in our budget on Wednesday. I mean, there, is, there has been this windfall uh, for in the tax coffers because of the enormous amount of tax paid by the mining companies. It depends how they, they distribute that money. Obviously, some of that money has got to be distributed in terms of the grants given to those not working. And then some of the, uh, I would imagine, some of education and, and, and health care. And then as well as maybe support some of the, um, the, the state-owned enterprises. But I think a lot of, what do you think they should do with that additional amount of money? Shell it out to, to, uh, to, the, into the, to the market to the, help the, um, the, the struggling uh, consumer 
uh, pay off debt, uh, help Eskim? Yeah, Brian, I think, it's, as you point out, it's been a temporary reprieve and it's not going to last forever. And, and really what you're looking for um, is prudence, um, aggressive prudence on the expenditure side. So, so ultimately what everyone is looking for is, um, you know, a, a limit to, to the amount of, of, of debt accumulation by the state, which has is, is been an issue for years. And that's a function of, um, um, of a wasteful um, expenditure, really. Um, so you want to see government arresting that budget and even uh, cutting that budget. Henry, do you see much uh, in the budget? Do you see um, tax, tax cuts or any changes or just maybe upping the bands because individuals move into, you know, with inflation, individuals do move into different brackets. They don't end up with more money in their pockets. All that happens is they're paying a little bit more tax. So maybe bracket creep more than anything else. Yeah, exactly. I think it'll be more of the same. Um, and, you know, again, you've got this temporary reprieve coming from the commodity cycle that we've just been through. So um, we're not expecting any shocks for individuals. Henry, do you see this short-lived, this commodity boom? Look, it, you know, it, it's, it's still, it, it could have legs to run. Um, but, you know, again, this is not something that we can bet the farm on as a country. Um, and you need to at least recognize where you are in the cycle and manage your expenditure accordingly. Um, you don't want to grow into the types of revenues that we're seeing now. Um, yeah. Now, we saw today um, inflation figures slightly down from 5.9 to 5.7. You, you spoke about global economies doing a lot better. How do you think our economies do? Yeah, I, I think we've been through a tough period. Um, I think that, you know, the South African economy um, didn't benefit from the same levels of stimulus that you saw coming through in America or in Europe, for example. So a lot of private businesses struggled or even failed. Um, so, yes, there is a reopening trade at play at the moment. Yes, I mean, we should be seeing a sort of uh, at least fundamentally significant recovery, um, you know, based on sort of 2020 activity levels. But at the moment, I think it's as tough an operating environment as we've seen in a long time. Well, we're interested to see, you know, we, we spoke, you spoke about if interest rates rise internationally, our rates are going to rise. I mean, I don't think consumers realise that, you know, 99.9% of working South Africans have got debt. I mean, I think when I first started out, I'm sure when you did, we had a bond on our property, we had a lease or HP on our car, and we, we, we had to pay that out of our salaries. Now, for the last number of years, interest rates have been low, so consumers have had the benefit of that. But if interest rates do rise six or seven times between now, or they've already risen twice before the end of next year, I, I, if you've got a million rands debt, you're going to be paying around about uh, 2,000 rand a month more just to, just to fund your debt. But uh, we'll, we'll take emails when we come back. We're going to take a short break. You're, stay, you're watching You and Your Money. Stay tuned. We'll be back shortly.